for a number of weeks a uh, passage of Scripture, Second uh, Timothy 1.7, and doing a series on insanity or a sound mind. We've been learning some of the dynamics that are involved. And I want somebody to get for me Philippians 2, 1 through 4. And this section right here, if somebody like to get that for me, is Dennis. Then I want 2 Timothy 1, 7, which is our key scripture, if somebody would like to get that for me. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Don Galati. So we want to uh, work through uh, this morning this uh, section. We've been learning that uh, there are some serious consequences to not uh, undergoing or not disciplining the mind. Second Timothy one seven. Read that out loud, and uh, that's our key scripture. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, and of power, and of a sound mind. And that literally is translated a disciplined mind. And so, a disciplined mind is a sound mind. And this is what we're. Uh, dealing with. So the, one of the greatest moves in uh, Christianity today uh, and Christian circles is the word unity. Uh, there is a, uh, a word called ecumenicism. This is uh, that everybody is like clones. They think the same thing. They, uh, they uh, unify together. And so everybody that, uh, what that means is everybody who professes to be a Christian is unite under one uh, or the same banner going to pool their actions, going to pool their money, and so on. And uh, this is one of the buzzwords, is uh, want. This means to be of the same uh, same mind, and uh, so on and so forth. And so if you have any disagreement with other Christians or other organizations or other movements, uh, this is one of the cardinal sins of the age. If you disagree or dare to voice that disagreement, then you're breaking the, uh, uh, the, the sacred barrier, and you're judgmental. Uh, one of the great mantras of our uh, of our generation of Christian circles is uh, is uh, unity or oneness. And if you uh, if you refuse to unite with, or you refuse to associate with, or you dare to speak against, uh, then you're seen to be uh, elitist, or you're seen to be uh, sectarian, or you're judgmental. Uh, that's one of the great buzzwords today, even used in the political arena. If you uh, dare to judge sin and uh, call it what it is while you're judgmental. So I want to uh, take us on a little journey this morning in the harmonious mind because uh, we want to see what the scripture has to say about you and I joining together with people uh, who are of uh, different uh, persuasions and uh, what uh, what's happening today is that there's a very strong, powerful movement, Buddhists, Christians, uh, Catholics, everybody's joining together. And uh, this has become very strong and very powerful. It's moving towards Revelations 18, 17 and 18, the old whore of Revelation. So we want to see what the Bible has to say. This will help us. And so I've entitled this The Harmonious Mind, Philippians 2, 1 through 4, in a loud and clear voice. Like-minded. Note that word. Go ahead.
Okay, I want to read that to you from the Williams translation. It says, So if there's any appeal in our union with Christ, if there's any persuasive power in love, if we have any common share in the Spirit, if you have any tenderheartedness and sympathy, fill up my cup of joy by living in harmony, by fostering the same disposition of love, your hearts beating in unison, your minds set on one purpose, stop acting from motives of selfish strife or petty ambition, but in humility, practice treating one another as your, as your superiors. Stop looking after your own interests only, but practice looking out for the interests of others also. So we want to examine this this morning as we move toward this and examine. Uh, I'd like to entitle this The Harmonious Mind, because this will give us some understanding of what the Bible is really talking about. So we want to deal with the, the reality of the arena of life. I want in this section, Romans 12:18. Uh, Brian Simmons, I want Titus 3, 9 through 11, uh, Pete Baker. So we're going to come down to the re- uh, reality of life. And the Bible makes a classic statement that will give us a little bit of light on the reality. Uh, Philosophy is a wonderful thing. Uh, can you say amen? It, uh, when you philosophize, why, you can uh, get all kinds of ideas. Uh, that you're going to do this, you're going to do that, or this ought to be this, or that, this ought to be that. Uh, when you deal with idealism, but when you get down in the nitty-gritty, of the trenches of life, sometimes uh, it doesn't bear out. And so here's the Apostle Paul. He's writing in Romans 12:18. He makes a classic statement. If it is possible, as much as it is in you, live peaceably with all men. What do you think the Apostle Paul made that statement? Anybody want to venture a guess? Jim Landis? People are pretty honoring. Put it mildly, all right? Why would he have made that statement? It's not a trick question. Uh, David? Even Christians get into fights. Okay, Nick? Yeah, all of these things are true, but the reason is that, 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 that some people, it's impossible to live in peace with. It's obvious. Or he would not be saying that. And he didn't write this to folks that are attending bar down the palace. He wrote this to Christian, and he says, but it's possible live in peace with all men, and the obvious is that, it, that uh, with some people, it's impossible to live in peace with. All right, we've drawn that conclusion. So uh, let's move on to Titus 3, 9 through 11. Avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law. They're unprofitable and vain. They're wasted time, and uh, it's, uh, it, 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 there's, no, there's no future to it. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition, you reject. Uh, this is just as plain as can be. And so this ideal uh, uh, of unreality, unbiblical thought, that you and I are to absolutely uh, throw away what the Bible says, and if anybody comes along and they profess to be a Christian, or they profess to be doing Christian work, and we're obligated to say, well, that's great, we're, this is wonderful. You, we just went and say, well, you're, you're number one, 
you're not uh, you're not real with the Bible, and other number two, you're stupid because people are heretics. There's some real wing nuts out there, folks, and some of them are in here. Can you say amen? Okay. So when we get down to the reality, we're talking about like-mindedness, then we, we need to see what, what, is the, what does this mean? Because obviously we've already uh, gone through two verses uh, that uh, bring us to the understanding that he can't mean that we're to simply submit our, uh, our, uh, uh, our convictions and the standards that we're going to live by, and we're just going to, because somebody uh, goes to the same church we go to, or the same organization we go to, or profess to be a Christian, we disconnect our mind and say, none of these things matter. We're just going get, to uh, get together and be one great big happy family. See, we are what we are because of what we believe. And if you don't believe anything, you don't have any problem getting along with everybody. But if you believe something, then suddenly this changes the turf and so let's see what the Bible has to say, because we're looking for the harmonious mind, and this word is used, like-minded, and with one mind all through the Scripture. Second Timothy 2, 16 through 18. I'd like to have in this section right here. Help me quick. All right, uh, uh, Pete Baker. Uh, Todd, do you want to get for me First Timothy 1, verse 20? First Timothy 1, verse 20. I want Philippians 3, 1 and 2. Uh, b- 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 Valerie. I want Romans 2, 8 and 9. Uh, Paul Heinberg. I want Acts 19, verse 9. Uh, Dennis. So you're going to find uh, uh, very quickly, as you begin to examine the Scripture, and you put that against this ideal that uh, we, uh, if, we, uh, if we refuse to associate with certain kinds of people, that we are sectarian. That's a great, uh, that's a great buzzword. What the, that word is equal to molesting somebody's mother in the courthouse square. It's one of the great buzzwords today. That you're elitist uh, or you're sectarian, and so uh, uh, we want to see what the Bible really has to say about these things. Second Timothy two sixteen through eighteen. Shun profane and vain babblings. If you are around people who are running off at the mouth with religious tripe, get away from them. Don't sit still and say, well, I just want to get along with you. Uh, the first thing you do is correct them from the Bible. The second thing you do, if they insist on pursuing that, it says, I don't want to hear you. I, I get, away, get out of my house. I'm not wasting my time arguing with you. Go ahead. Their word will eat as a cancer. It's, uh, cancer in those days, absolutely no recovery, no hope for them. The moment they got cancer, they were dead. And he says, these people's word are deadly. And if you receive their words, uh, you're going to die. Go ahead. And he says, these guys' names, I'm going to name them for you. There's name Hymenius and uh, Philetus. Get away from them. They're deadly, and what they're teaching will kill you deader than a doornail. Okay, that's the Bible. We want to look at First uh, Timothy one twenty, Todd. Of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander? I delivered to Satan. 
that they may learn not to blaspheme. These are people he names them again. Philippians 3, 1 and 2. Philippians 3, 1 and 2. All right, he's not talking again to bartenders down the palace bar. He's talking to people that are in the church that are professing to be believers, uh, and he says some pretty harsh statements uh, about who they are, what their nature is, uh, and he puts it up front. And so Romans 2, 8 and 9. Okay, lays it out. So this is a tribulation wrath for those who do not obey the truth, uh, but obey evil. And then again, uh, we want Acts 19, verse 9. Okay, here's uh, Paul. He's, uh, uh, he's ministering the gospel. He's winning converts. He's holding Bible study classes. And uh, they begin to uh, contradict. They begin to create turmoil and confusion among the disciples. And Paul doesn't leave his disciples uh, susceptible to this. He separates them, gets them out of there, and he does not want his, uh, his new converts and his disciples uh, 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 fellowshipping with or in their presence because he knows that, as many of these verses have said, said these words uh, gender strife, they gender confusion, they're detrimental. He doesn't want them there. He separates them out and he gets them away from them. So it's obvious then, from just the scriptures we've read, that's impossible to be of one mind to those who are false teachers or heretics and who are apostates. So historically, there's a, we go a little bit further, sometimes there's circumstances that people are not of the same mind. And so over on my far left, I want Acts 15, verses 36 through 39, Adam. I want Galatians 2, 13 and 14 is Louis. And so uh, we have a couple of situations in the Bible uh, that uh, these are just people that are involved in ministry. They're not of the same mind. It causes a, 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 uh, an upsetting and it begins to gender some debates and some strife. One of these has to do with John Mark, Acts 15, 36 through 39. Paul and Barnabas are, are, are going to go. They want to go back now to where they've been evangelizing, where they've established bodies of believers. They want to check on them. And so uh, 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 Barnabas wants to take John Mark. But the problem is that John Mark had defected on the last uh, missionary journey and, uh, and returned to home. And so uh, Paul says, uh, we're not taking him. And him and Barnabas... Uh, 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 came into a serious conflict uh, over this, uh, and they parted ways uh, right in that place. Go ahead. All right, Paul said we're not taking him because the last time uh, he split the scene, and uh, we're not going to take him with us this time. Later we know that John Mark was restored, but he wouldn't take him, and there's a serious division between Paul and Barnabas that had to do over people that they were going to use in ministry. I want somebody also to get for me Proverbs 26, 21. Will somebody get that for me? Uh, it's Joel. And so Galatians 2, 13 and 14, we find another occasion in the New Testament church. All right, here's Paul. They're in, uh, in, the, uh, uh, in, in a discussion. 
And as they're there, uh, Peter uh, begins to go back into legalism, requiring people to be circumcised to be saved. He starts to associate with the Jews. They get into debate. Paul publicly uh, contradicts him and said, this is not uh, correct. This is, uh, uh, I think he used the word apostasy in that translation, if I'm not mistaken, and, and, uh, and publicly contradicted him. And then we have this verse in Proverbs 26:21. So is a contentious man to kindle strife. There are some people that live to pick a fight. Is that correct? How many of you ever met someone that, that their greatest joy is pick a fight? All right, they're out there. And uh, the Bible says that you cast out the scorn and contentions will cease. And so uh, these people are there. So we see that in, biblically then that, uh, that this cannot mean that everybody's in agreement uh, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and it shows some serious uh, places where there's separation, uh, where there's a serious breach uh, of the faith. So let's look at for a moment now because there's a call to agree or to have a harmony. I want several scriptures. I want my far right, Philippians 4, verse 3. Who'd like to get that for us? Philippians 4, verse 3. It's Michael in the back. I want uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 5 is uh, David. And uh, it's uh, Martin, if you'll get for me Romans 15, 5, and 6. So there is a call in the Bible to be of one mind, to be of the same mind. And, uh, and uh, we want to see what this means because we're never going to get everyone in total agreement about everything. So uh, we need to examine what this means in the Scripture and put it in its correct setting and, uh, and begin to talk about this. So what we're really dealing with... To give you a little bit of understanding, you might want, might want to write down, what we're talking about is a common cause in a fellowship. It does not mean everyone agrees about every detail of life, but it does mean that they're willing to lay aside some of their preconceived notions, they're willing to lay aside uh, some of their uh, uh, pet doctrines to pursue a common goal, which is common cause in fellowship, Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. I entreat you, fellow, yoke fellow, as a, a key word. That means that they are yoked together. Gives a picture, common in Bible days, of uh, two animals that are yoked together, and they have to work together. One, one cannot pull harder than the other. They have to, in unison, pull together, uh, and that's what they're trained to do in a team, in a yoke. If one uh, is, uh, uh, is willful, and out pulls the other and does not uh, adjust its load, uh, then you'll have chaos. They'll go around in circles, and uh, you'll have an absolute uh, uh, calamity. But uh, he's putting this picture as to the work of Jesus Christ, and he says, I, I entreat you, yoke, true yoke fellow, you're laboring with me, I want you to begin to pull with me toward the objective uh, that is the work of God in the common cause of fellowship. Philippians 1, 3 through 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now. Fellowship in the gospel isn't a, a, a little term that we use and say, uh, 
uh, well, we're, 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 we're in fellowship. That's what we are. And then you, uh, uh, you pick a fight with everybody that you can pick a fight with. You criticize everything that, uh, that, uh, that you yourself uh, are not promoting. You do all you can to hinder anything that doesn't add a star in your crown. To fellowship in the gospel means common cause. It means sharing together with what God has called us to do. Romans 15, 5 and 6. May the God of grace and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another through Christ Jesus. That you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God. That's going to be your objective. This is going to guide all your conduct. So what we're really talking about is a union of heart, a union of feeling, a union of plan, and a union of purpose. So in this section here, I want Philippians 4.2. Somebody help us here. Jim Landis. I want Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Uh, Paul. Uh, uh, Paul. I want uh, Colossians 4, 12 and 13 is Alan. Uh, I want, uh, I want, uh, okay, that, that's all I want for the moment. Philippians 4, 2. Sinchi? That's what an awful name to give your daughter. <laughs> to be of the same mind in the Lord. These are apparently uh, two very strong-willed ladies that are in the church, and he's writing to them and saying to them uh, that you cannot insist on having your own way. You cannot insist on your own agenda. You cannot be selfish, self-asserting, self-gratifying, self-seeking, and intransigent about getting along with other people and uh, go forward in the the work of God. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm entreating you to be of the same mind. Be harmonious. In your mind. We're going to get into a little bit deeper of what this is going to be involved in just a minute. So, Colossians 4, uh, 12 and 13. In other words, he wants you to lay aside all petty differences and animosity and, and be, uh, join in a harmonious mind. Colossians 4, 12 and 13. Oh. All right. Here's praying for one another, being concerned for another person's welfare. Uh, uh, giving yourself to uh, whatever you can do for others that are in the church. And Paul, Philippians 2, 1 through 4. If any fellowship of the Spirit. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded having the same love, be of one accord, be of one mind. Analyze that in the context. Go ahead, Paul. In lowliness of mind. In other words, he's saying, don't seek your own exaltation, but recognize and give others credit to Uh, as you are believers together in the body of Jesus Christ. We want, uh, in this section, 1 Peter 3, 8 through 11. Somebody would like to get that for us. Is uh, 
Uh, Brian, I want 1 Corinthians 13.11. There's uh, Daniel, I want Colossians 3.15. Pete Baker, Colossians 3.12-14. What's your name? Mac. Okay. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Colossians uh, 2, 1 and 2. Somebody else. Uh, Todd, do you want to get that for us? Colossians 2, 1 and 2. All right, you're getting the feel now of what we're really dealing with because we're talking about a union of heart. That does not mean that everyone's going to be the same personality. Uh, it does not mean that everyone's going to be the same ability. Everyone's going to be the same education. Everyone's going to be the same skin color. Everyone's going to be at the same social station. But it means that you have one common goal and one common purpose, and that's to glorify God. And you do that by exalting Jesus Christ, and you fulfill that by winning souls to Christ and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a joining together in the common cause. You're willing to lay aside your personal difference. How many of you know somebody here that you don't really like? It's not a confession service, all right? See, this is what this is what we're talking about. This means laying down your own personal preferences. This means laying down your own ambitious agenda. This means uh, uh, laying down uh, your own opinions. This means uh, willing to uh, be tolerant with your fellow believer. This means being willing to work together because you understand that your goal is the winning of souls for Jesus Christ. Now, on the other hand, uh, well, I'll leave that for later. Let's, let's go ahead with this, uh, with this uh, uh, 1 Peter 3, 8 through 11. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion one of another. What's the word compassion mean? Anybody want to tell me what compassion is? What? Yeah. It's, it's the expression of mercy, isn't it? Having, being merciful and having a heartfelt concern uh, for someone uh, that uh, is, uh, uh, they aren't what they ought to be. Okay? Or uh, something's happening to them uh, that, uh, that you ought to show some mercy and compassion for instead of say, you stupid jackass. You mean to tell me that that's what you are and you're, you see, that's not compassion. This is why we have discipleship program, is we teach our disciples to deal with nutcases. With Jason and Angie, that we, uh, uh, we had a dear little lady in the Prescott uh, uh, area that used to call me constantly and incessantly, and uh, she had things that she wanted picked up and little things. And so part of Jason's training was uh, you gotta go, uh, you got to go calling her and uh, you got to be nice to her. You never attended this church. You're not a member, so I'm not talking about you if you're here. Okay. Because when you start to pioneer churches, you know, God doesn't give you the good stuff first. He gives you the wing nuts first. And then when he determines that you're able to handle and have compassion on nutcases, then he starts to give you the good stuff. But it's a part of the training of discipleship that you have to learn to deal 
with uh, human personality because pastoring is nothing more than dealing with human personality. Being compassionate with them, doing your best to tolerate them, trying to understand where they're coming from, and not consigning them to hell before you've done everything you can to try to redeem them and help them out of the pit. Okay, go ahead. Where do I stop you somewhere? Be tender-hearted. Ah, what a virtue. Tender-hearted. Tender-hearted. Able to uh, be approached, able to feel with people, able to uh, uh, someone speak to you, and you have at least some kind of concern. The world's filled with hard-hearted people. Go ahead. Be courteous. You might practice that in your own home. Be courteous. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that when people come to church, uh, a lot of times they're just so courteous. Pastor, it's just, it's just good to see you this morning. Hello, sister, so-and-so. It's good to see you, brother. Yeah, you just want, and as soon as you get in the car, shut up! Wife tries to talk to you. I don't want to hear it. I'm under a lot of stress. <laughs> Much more kind to people on the job sometimes, and to people in our own home and in our own church sometimes. Okay, go ahead. Courteous. Not returning evil for evil. What's the great theme of today? What is it? Don't, what? Yeah, taking care of number one. But there's a little slogan that kind of come immediately to your mind. Don't uh, get mad, get even. Right? Is that what you were going to say? That's it. Don't get mad, get even. No, well, that doesn't bother me. But I'm waiting. See, one of the great marks of, of today is intransigence. People who will not forgive, people who will not tolerate, People who are going to get revenge, uh, regardless, this is what causes mega problems in churches. Go ahead, Brian. Reviling for revival. I rebuke you! I rebuke you! Go ahead. You were called to this. Now, it's very obvious at the moment you're born in the family of God, these virtues don't just begin to spring forth. Halos come around your head and wings grow on your back. Right? You were called to this. Not that you have this. You were called to this. Okay? Let's go on. Second Corinthians 13, 11. Be of one mind. You see this over and over again, but it's quite obvious that the call to that and the uh, uh, and the and the fulfillment of that is a process. That's why he talks about be perfect. That's actually be mature. What you need to do is you need to work toward a mature uh, conduct, love uh, one another, and 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 be harmonious in your mind towards those 
who are believers. Colossians 3.15 Let let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word uh, rule is actually umpire. That's a really, a really an interesting word. Let the peace of God be the umpire of the affairs of life. And so this has to do with your conduct as much as possible. Hebrews says, or Romans says rather, live in peace with all men. And so this means it needs to be an effort to avoid conflict uh, and to work together. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. You're willing to put up with those people without standing up in the morning service and decking them. Okay? Go ahead. Forbearing one another. This means tolerating one another, and it means forgiving one another. See, this is the call. Christians are called not to act like sinners. If you go down to the Elks Lodge, uh, you can find what's in most churches with no problem whatever. There'd be absolutely no difference. Except that a little alcohol would be sprayed around probably. But you see, our calling is to be of one mind. That's not automatic. That means a, a, a mindset that begins to work towards... Uh, and uh, and take a, hum- a, a humble status and that of meekness. Is there more yet? Go ahead. If any man have a quarrel against any, has anybody ever had a quarrel against anyone? Oh, no, I want to see the hands. All right, go ahead. Even as Christ forgave you, so you do the same. Above all these things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of maturity or perfectness. That it? Okay. Well, that's pretty heavy, uh, heavy verse there, isn't it? Colossians two one and two, Todd. I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you, and those in Laodicea. And as many as I've not seen, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, Okay, has to do with the knowledge and that you begin to pursue this and fulfill this in the practice in your life. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's t- uh, stop right there and uh, have some comments and some questions uh, uh, this morning. Anybody have a comment? Phil Payson? You're judgmental. Here's Phil Payson, uh, hopelessly lost in the Methodist church most of his life. Uh, happened to follow his daughter into some gospel meetings here and got genuinely born again. And suddenly he sees the light, been living for God these many years, and it's very difficult to tolerate that, isn't it, Phil? Because you know those people are lost. 
They're not born again. They're not saved. They have religious terminology. And being of one mind doesn't mean that you lay down uh, the principles of the gospel and you're willing to tolerate that without saying something. And so uh, what will happen is you'll either get them saved or they'll throw you out, one or the other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this, this business of being, uh, not being judgmental it fits in with the whole framework of our liberal uh, mindset today that we're going to tolerate anything and we're not going to be uh, judgmental. When Jesus says, don't judge that you, that you be not judged, uh, that's a whole subject. And it does not mean that you are not to make uh, uh, analyses and you rebuke sin where it is and take a stand. He, we've read several scriptures today uh, that say you need to rebuke uh, those people who are making false professions, false doctrine, and erroneous because it's life or death. It's not just a difference of opinion. See, we're talking about eternity this morning, folks. We're talking about life or death. We're talking about heaven or we're talking about hell. It doesn't have, have to do with a little, uh, little di difference of opinion. What we're dealing with is a serious issue, and that issue has to do with salvation. And uh, Phil Payson is a man who lived most of his life in that lifestyle and suddenly was confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and was born again, and he knows what he's talking about. Is it Jeff? Uh, here. Yep. Now you're bucking the establishment because they got 40 years of, uh, of uh, uh, indoctrination. And uh, 40 years of indoctrination has uh, put this garbage in them of not, not having any convictions. Yeah. 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 Right-wing conspiracies from the Potter's house, okay? Your brother is the Northwest leader of the Promise Keepers, okay? Yep. Wanted you to come in, bring your church, right? Yep. Yeah, well, Paul was judgmental. Right? Laid it right on the line. Jesus was judgmental. Very judgmental. It says, by your fruits you'll know them. They said, Lord, are there many that be saved? How, how did he respond? Matthew 7, 13 and 40. How do you respond? Somebody tell me how you responded. Are there many that be saved, Lord? How did he respond? said, there's a broad gate that leads to destruction. There's a, lots of folks that go in that door. Very narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And there are few there be that find it. And you pay attention that you enter into the hard gate. Very judgmental. Somebody else. Uh, Eleanor. Now, here's a good Catholic woman. She lived all of her life as a Catholic. Were you a good Catholic? Good Catholic, all right. <laughs> See, this is different. There's good Catholics, and then they're just Catholics. There's, uh, there's Mormons, and then there's Jack Mormons. And so here's a good Catholic. 
And she says, unless someone had judged her by the Bible, is that correct? By the Bible, she would not be saved today. But because they did judge her and say, you're wrong, you're lost, and you need to be born again, she's saved and has lived for God many, many years. Uh, Pete? is what Jesus said. It's the words that I speak that judge you. Isn't that right? That's what he said. That's Rob. It means that you're consigning people to hell as the final solution, which is not your place. Your place is to tell them the truth, put the truth out, it's God's final judgment. How many of you ever uh, uh, looked at somebody and said to them, you know what, ain't no hope for those folks? Yeah, you have, haven't you? Okay, I have too. And so that uh, that's not your prerogative. That's God's alone. Yeah. Right. Yep. has to do with a, cons a consignment, which is not yours. But he speaks everywhere in the Bible. Paul speaks everywhere. He commands us to judge. Read Corinthians. He commands us to judge. He said, you're the church. I want you to judge this. Right? Okay. And where do I see a hand? Is it Victor? Uh, no standards. Uh, homosexuals are accepted. Uh, Catholics are accepted. Mormons are accepted. And uh, if you want to know, if you, if you want a paper, I've got a couple of papers that are, are, uh, are very uh, uh, exhaustive that uh, tell their whole agenda and, and what they're doing. And so what they're doing is not what they appear to be doing. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, what is your name? <laughs> Bear. Okay. I'm going to have to have everybody put name tags on wanted what we had, but he didn't want to do what we do. Yep. Christian businesses, okay. Bought a what? Hamburger stand. We can use one of those around here, I can tell you for sure. They would put some grease in their in their patties instead of ground newspaper. <laughs> Want to make a fortune? Open one up. Go ahead. Any place but their own crummy hamburger stand. 
when we got into politics, we're going to get some conservatives into the legislature. Revelation of the Bible. Okay, so what this has to do, one mind, is give your support to something that does not personally benefit you. Be willing to labor for that which may only be realized by someone else. Unite with others, laying aside your ambition, agenda, self-exaltation, self-seeking spirit, and insisting on your own way, and joining your heart to the task. And the task is what's in the Word of God. All right, we want to... uh, 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 we want to just get a couple, three more scriptures, and then, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, let me let me just give these scriptures, and you can look these up on your own. Philippians 1.27, write these down if you're doing a Bible study. Philippians 2.20, Philippians 2.20, Philippians 3.15 and 16, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 4, Psalms 133, 1 through 3, Acts 4.32, 2 Samuel 19. Verse 14. We're not going to get through it. There's more material. Let's uh, let's conclude by having some more questions or comments. Somebody else have a question? Got about five minutes. It's uh, uh, Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. So. So Wayne is, uh, is an instructor, and uh, he's uh, in a secular school. He can't openly evangelize and stand up and teach Bible classes. So he's talking about uh, forming some convictions and opinions in them uh, that will give us some backbone. What's happening to America, let me say in conclusion, is exactly what we ran into in Australia that's about 15 uh, years down the road, is the tall poppy syndrome. The greatest sin is to get out in front of the crowd and if you begin to excel, then you're a target. It's called the tall poppy syndrome, or it's called crabology. You dare not excel, and, and so what's happening is this great egalitarian leveling field. That's what you're talking about, Wayne. It's egalitarianism, which uh, the whole, you're seeing this all worked out on the national stage right now. If you dare to stand up and, uh, and to exert yourself, then you're assaulted, and so what he's laboring with is to put convictions of right or wrong in them uh, and uh, encourage them to express it. One more question. Is, uh... You volunteered to go on the freshman bus. This is a brave woman, folks. And how many students? Okay, go ahead. Yep. Keep her hands off the boys. Now, why would that be a problem? Your whole life is, is obsessed with sex. That's what your problem is. You're just like Ken Starr. 